Hello everybody and welcome to the Ken and Rince podcast, volume 8, issue 364. And today we're going to talk about pilot wings. You can play along with the show. We have some lovely games coming up for you to join us uh, in playing and talking about if you wish. The next one we return to the long-running JRPG series with Final Fantasy IX. After that, the curious mystery known as Pony Island. Following that, Very Very Doom 2016. After that, it's Persona 5 with the Persona Gang. And following that, we're doing a show that's about Disney's Aladdin. And that's both of them. There are actually more than two because there were handheld ports and whatever else. But we're focusing on the Mega Drive and Super Nintendo 16-bit platformers, which are both different games. Should be interesting. Canorince.com for the full schedule up to the end of the year. And as you know by now, if you want to get every show a week earlier than non-subscribers and often in extended form, that is more content, you only need to pay a dollar a month, which is like 77 or 78 pence or something like that. Less than a euro a month. Patreon.com slash and it really helps us keep on doing what we do. You get some other bonus treats as well, an exclusive monthly podcast. You get our format specials three months early at the time of recording. That means you get to hear our Xbox show three months ahead of the rabble uh, just by chucking a dollar our way each month. That's all. We also have a PayPal button on our homepage if you want to just uh, throw us a tip in that way, but you don't get anything in return for that other than a feeling of warmth. And we also have other podcasts, as if we didn't produce enough with Cane and Rinse. We also have Sound of Play on Wednesdays. We have Playwright on Thursdays and The Sausage Factory on Fridays. If you like this podcast, you should really check out those. They're all under our umbrella and they do different things. Each one has a different sort of uh, mode of operation and aims. And they all come out as very different shows. Subscribe, review and rate to each one. But mainly... This one, if you haven't reviewed or rate Cana Rinse yet, it's about time you did, wherever you get your podcasts from. And you should follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. It's all good. Now, joining me, Leon Cox, in issue 364, are Darren Gargett. Not allowed to talk about Flight Club. That's the joke, isn't it? That'll, that'll do. And I'm I'm almost scared to say Mikhail Croder. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> That's what I was hoping for. <laughs> uh, let's just do that for two hours. <laughs> uh, yes, we'll talk more about that when we get to the music section, I assume. Now, Pilot Wings, uh, we haven't had a huge amount of listener correspondence for this or, or feedback, I suppose. It's, uh, it's not that surprising. This is a nearly 30-year-old game. It was a bit niche even then hmm. uh, it is a an amateur flight simulator game in which the player attempts to earn pilot licenses through lessons in light plane flight hang gliding skydiving and rocket belt bonus stages and levels involving an attack helicopter are also available uh, fly a selection of aircraft including training vehicles Fighter planes, it says in this description. That's not right. There's no fighter planes. No. Uh, through a range of training programs and missions, the more training you complete, the better the chance you will complete the even bigger missions. This sounds like a bad translation. Try your hand at landing, taking off party tricks, <laughs> fly through bad weather, and shoot down targets. Where did, that where did that description come from? 
Uh, I can't remember. Moby Games, maybe? Not sure. Uh, maybe it's like a direct one-to-one translation from the original Super Famicom manual or something like that. Yeah. Anyway. Maybe the, the, the uh, bonus stages are the party tricks? Yeah, I guess so. Well, False advertising. If a penguin jumping in, high diving into a pool isn't a party trick, yeah. I want to see, want to see a party trick. Exactly. <laughs> so this was made by Nintendo EAD. Uh, it was actually first kind of shown in prototype-ish form as far back as November 1988. A flight simulator game resembling pilot wings called Dragonfly was shown during the official unveiling of the Super Nintendo. Mm. Rather like, this made me think of when they first showed the N64, they showed that um, game that looked like a cross between F-Zero and Wave Race, didn't they? And it ended up being Wave Race, I think, instead of F-Zero at that point. Yeah. Uh, When the game was released, the name had been changed to Pilot Wings, and the uh, the graphics and game structure was significantly different from images shown previously. The game was used to demonstrate the system's Mode 7 graphics system, which allows rotation, scaling, and other effects to be used on flat images to create a 3D effect. Pilot Wings was developed by Nintendo Entertainment Analysis and Development, the core crack team at Nintendo, a team consisting of members of the company's research and development divisions under the leadership of producer Shigeru Miyamoto, the creator, of course the originator of Mario and Zelda. Nintendo published it, therefore. The director was actually Tadashi Sugiyama, uh, with Miyamoto credited as producer. Uh, We'll talk a little about the music. Uh, Koji Kondo actually provides one of the tunes, but most of the music is by uh, a woman called Soya Oka. And the game came out in Japan on the Super Famicom December 21st, just in time for Christmas 1990. And... I think it arrived as a launch game for the North American Super Nintendo, which was August 91, certainly there or thereabouts, and at some point in 92 in Europe. Yeah, Since I can probably, then, probably pinpoint the the, yeah. the month of its release because I got it uh, pretty much at launch. Yeah. And that was? That was probably November, somewhere in November uh, uh, yeah. 1992. Yeah, it, was, it came Sounds very late right. to Europe. Yes. Yeah, as things tended to do in those days, especially Japanese consoles. Since then, the game's been re-released on Virtual Console three times. Uh, The Wii was first, and that was 10 years ago now, (laughs) nearly, uh, in 2009, 2010 in Japan, actually. The Wii U Virtual Console in 2013. And here we're going to hear from Simon Sloth from the forum who says, I played Pilot Wings for the first time this year, this is 2019, on the Wii U Virtual Console. Overall, I had a great experience, and I can't recall playing anything like it for a long time. It stood out among the games I've tackled recently, which have generally involved jumping, shooting, and punching to win. The actual flying is incredibly satisfying, and probably a highlight for me. The jetpack and hang gliding sections were also enjoyable, and seemed fair, especially when compared to the parachute levels, which were pretty terrible. I generally tackled each new set of challenges by doing these first, as I knew I would be comfortable on the other modes. I had my fair share of frustration, and didn't seem to really ever master my parachute landing, which led to a lot of trial and error. Despite this, I still really enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to giving Pilot Wing 64 a whirl in the near future. I would liken the game to a lemon sorbet. Refreshing, enjoyable, and the perfect palate cleanser. 
Ultimately, it was quite short-lived, but exactly what I needed, without knowing it. I think palate cleanser is probably a near-perfect term for pilot wings. It's, um, hmm. it's, it's yeah, like I said, like he said, it's unlike anything else. And uh, I remember playing that in the 64 one, just as a go-to for something that was just completely like a 90-degree turn from everything else that you were playing. So yeah, palate cleanser. Good wordage. Nice. The N3DS... Uh, new Nintendo 3DS only uh, and Europe only in April 2016. Got this on uh, Virtual Console as one of a handful of Super Nintendo games released for that platform. I assume that's finished now. I think that's over. Uh, and then on the show notes originally, I put Super NES Classic Edition and the release dates for that, which was, uh, you know, the autumn of 2017. And then I fired up my Super NES Classic Edition and I realised that Pilot Wings isn't one of the games on that. That was one of the games you had to add um, ah. by nefarious means. Ah. Weirdly, it's not on there by default. I have hmm. no idea why. It runs it beautifully, hmm. as far as I can tell. Yeah. So, hmm. didn't make the cut. Yeah. Too weird? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's uh to me it's one of those quintessential early Super Nintendo titles. Well, exactly. Yeah. But there you go. It's not on there by default. If you have a Super NES Classic Edition or whatever it's called in your region, you'll need to locate a ROM and add it manually, like instructions exist. Uh, at the time, the game reviewed in Famitsu in Japan, 30 out of 40, so pretty decent. EGM in America reviewed it uh, 7.75 out of 10. Game Informer, similarly, 8.25. GamePro loved it, 5 out of 5. And Nintendo Power, slightly less keen, but still positive, 3.8 out of 5. In Europe, or certainly in the UK, magazines raved about this game. Meme Machines gave it 90%, Superplay 92%, and Total Magazine gave it 91%. I was looking at Nintendo Life's three reviews for the Virtual Console, and they've actually given the game out to three different uh, freelancers over the space of the uh, seven or eight years between the different Virtual Console versions. The first time they reviewed it, they gave it eight. The second time, a six. And the third time, whoever reviewed it, gave it a seven. So they've landed somewhere in the middle. But uh, it gives you a sense of how people might think of it today. And in terms of punter reviews, users on Moby Games give it 3.8 out of five, reflecting that Nintendo Power review from 1991. And on Nintendo Life... Their users, all Nintendo fans, pretty much give it 7.5 out of 10. Sales-wise, uh, well, the only piece of data I could find was that Computer and Video Games magazine reported that Pilot Wings sold over 2 million copies worldwide by the middle of uh, 1996, hmm. according to Wikipedia, anyway. Hmm. So yes, uh, Mikhail, you've already said you see it as a quintessential early Super Famicom or SNES title. Mm. But what memories do you have around the time of this coming out? And what, are you, what is your personal history with Pilot Wings? Yeah, um, my earliest recollection is, uh, again, just uh, uh, seeing uh, screenshots in it from a magazine that was all about the Super Famicom. Uh, and it looked fairly interesting, and it looked very different from the screenshots and about anything else you could uh, see on a console uh, at that time. Um, and then also, maybe a year later, I was doing one of those um, high school internships where you for, for four days you go to a company and have a like a play yeah. pretend internship, you know. And uh, yes, I had had mine at a bank in the center of uh, the city of Amsterdam. And they had an import shop over there. 
And in my lunch breaks, I would walk there and they would have uh, Super Famicom uh, connected to a huge screen there. Uh, I remember seeing uh, Zelda 3 for the first time there, uh, also Lovely. known as, of course, as Link to the Past. Uh, and also seeing pilot wings there, and I've you know, in motion it looked even way more impressive than uh, than from the screenshots. Um, so, but that was maybe in uh, somewhere in springtime 1991. So it was ages before this title uh, appeared uh, in our stores over here, fully uh, f- you know for its European release. And yeah, I, I think we it was just like. You know, me and my brother were 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 both uh, quite looking forward to it because we always thought it looked very uh, very impressive. So we got it uh, when it came out. This was around the time there were three main titles that uh, that I think uh, uh, were released around around that time, and Pilot Wings was the first of them. Uh, but this, the other ones were Street Fighter Two was about to come out, and then of course uh, A Link to the Past was also about to come out in, uh, in Europe around that time. But we we snatched up Pilot Wings first, also because uh, my dad really liked it. Uh, he wasn't a f- fan of uh, video games at all, and he always thought they they were too violent, you know. Uh, and this was a game that he could actually, you know, he he, he didn't play it himself, but he was uh, f- fairly engaged watching us play it. And uh, mm. much to our amusement and annoyance, he was trying translating the uh, tips if we would crash our plane or or vehicle. Uh, he was translating the t- tips to us uh, in Dutch, so he, he would al- would always tra- translate rotate to steer when we didn't land properly with the uh, with the, <laughs> the sill, uh, you know, with the with the uh, skydiving, for example. Oh, right. uh, and we, yeah, it's it's still kind of an inside joke between me and my d- brother, his his Dutch translation <laughs> for that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, really a lot of fun memories, uh, and I think it also paints a picture of just how different uh, pilings. Pilot Wings was for many other console games at the time, because mm. we had flight games, but they were usually involved uh, involved some some form of combat, and you know for for games of that sort of arcade like with that sort of arcade like control scheme, you know on the PC there were games like uh, uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator and the likes, but yeah they were they 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 weren't they felt like actual simulation programs, not so much like a you know, like a fun video game. So yeah, it was it was strange to play play a game where the objective was just most of the time to just fly and uh, and and yeah achieve non combat oriented goals. Lots of fun, lots of fun memories. Nowadays, when I think of uh, my fondest video game memories, I also t- tied them to just stuff that we were doing at the time. It was it was already winter and there was actual ice on the on the moats and on the on the the rivers and the the streams and we were uh skating on uh nature ice and then coming home all you know chilled to the bone drinking hot mm. cocoa and firing up pilot wings and you know like we we just cleared the uh the, the standard uh levels and we were in the, the snow level for example and yeah it's yeah. just a lot of warm and fuzzy uh memories with this title nice darren gargett Hmm. Yeah, so I don't know if anyone remembers my kind of tale on the Super Mario Kart show, but I was the the ringer for the SNES games that got too hard for my older brother, James. He would just go, Darren, come on, come on, out, get out the box, time to do the Special hard thing teams. in the SNES game. Yeah, so I was kind of, yeah, I was there to kind of, you know, have his back for the hard games or the games that, you know. The, but I th- I'd never played it before. Pilot Wings was like a thing that was just completely out of the blue for me, so to speak, um, 
Speaking of blue, the box was bright blue. And every time I went to the game shops in town, in Woolworths or Interactive Minds or some other Leighton Buzzard stores that existed, um, the blue box always stood out to me. But the, the image of the clouds and the kind of the ring of spheres never, ever appealed to me in any way whatsoever, much like mm. uh, the Link to the Past box art. I always found, if it wasn't Mario, I always thought like the box art for the SNES, like most of the SNES games, didn't really have enough to pull me in. I There's no characters on it, and uh, we're, obviously we're going to cover Pilot Wing sixty four later in the year. They added some char- literal characters to and, that, but and like, a flying vehicle. Do you know what I mean? There's, yes. not even, there's not even one of them on the box art. No. Like, to me, it was just a game about clouds and some balls in the sky. I was like, okay, sure, I'm, <laughs> I'll, I'll yeah. get around to that one day, maybe. Yeah, that, bo- that box art was almost like ahead of its time, you know, like almost like kind of avant-garde-ish, uh, like you would see later <laughs> like la- later games yeah. that didn't have characters or or scenery or, or scenes on them or. And would just yeah. have like a logo and some some totally uh, understand some why to baby it. Darren wasn't digging it. Oh yeah, yeah man, it was just um, I really needed some sort of you know iconic attraction. And at the time when I had sixty quid for my birthday, I must have been about nine or ten at this point. I, I managed to amass enough money to get a SNES game, and I bought ISS Deluxe because it had football on the front and it had a awesome. yellow box. Do you know what I mean? It was it was so. But I remember seeing the blue box, thinking. That that blue box stands out more than the actual iconography on the box. But, you know, um, I didn't get around to it until my brother picked it up somehow. I guess he had some friends that he did some swapsies with. And I vividly, vividly remember accidentally landing on the bonus stage to get the penguin level. And I just thought it was the best thing ever, but also the most difficult challenge I've ever played in video games at that point. Hmm. Um, and since then, I've picked it up and put it down on various platforms. You know, I've recently, most recently played it on the Wii U Virtual Console. I uh, played it through to completion, obviously for the for the shoe, uh, but I don't think I've ever completed it before that. I've never. I think I've seen mm. the the alternate title screen before, but that wouldn't have been down to me playing it. That would have been like a joint effort between the brothers doing it, the Garget Bros doing it together. Uh, you know, the nice dusk title screen you get after finishing it. Yeah. Um, so I've, I've definitely seen that before. Um, but yeah, and also recently the the Smash Brothers obviously has a track of um, Pilot Wings, the SNES music in it. And when I was out for a run and there was no one around, I definitely didn't put my arms out like an aeroplane and f- and fly around the lake no, listening to no. the music. No, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. And I don't feel stupid at all. But yeah, I love um, that uh, stage in uh, Smash Brothers as well with the, yeah. the flat, the flat uh, scenery. Yeah, it's, it's mm. uh, like most things in Smash Brothers, it is a massive love letter to the past, the future and the present. And uh, so... Yeah, and that, that's, that Smash stage is great. But yeah, um, overall, I've had a uh, the SNES game specifically. I've had such a an admiration for since the day I can remember seeing that penguin, and I just thought, yep, I'm going to play this game um, whenever I fancied something different. Which um, obviously harkens back to the bit of feedback we had a minute ago. Yeah, I did play this in. I think the first time I played it was '93, so it was already a few years old. My earlier memories of it were, it was. There was a an import uh, console uh, company that advertised in the pages of the magazines. So I was already feverishly buying Amiga and Mega Drive stuff, and I would buy other uh, magazines as well just to keep up, kind of thing. But I remember the Super Nintendo start, or the Super Famicom starting to become known over here, and <clears throat> I didn't and didn't end up getting one until yes, yeah, some point. Actually, I think it was early '94 I got mine. Um, but a friend of mine got his, sorry, back to the advert. I remember seeing this game as a, used as a sort of, uh, a poster child for the, uh, for the technical prowess of this machine. So although it didn't necessarily 
translate that well to static screenshots. The fact that you could tell that it was doing 3D with some amount of detail made uh, and and you know I'd I'd heard that it was faster and brighter and more colourful than other 3D. Um, this uh, this import advert was uh, sort of selling the idea that you would need to uh, you know do certain things to enable your 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 imported super super Famicom to play in color on your UK TV and stuff mm. like this. Uh, so it was trying to sell you the the whole idea, and uh, yeah, so that's my earliest memory. I don't, I, I yeah, I vaguely remember seeing reviews um, that that were positive, but by the time I got my my Super Nintendo, it was yeah early '94. The game seemed pretty old, and I was more about getting hold of uh, Mario and Zelda and Street Fighter Two was the main one, Street Fighter Two Turbo, and yeah. things like Alien Three and Star Fox and other stuff. '94 was also when uh, Donkey Kong Country came out, right? Uh, that was yeah. That was that was my big Christmas game that year. I'd already had my SNES yeah. for for some time when that came out. But um, yeah, for sure, I had played it. As I say, I'd had a very brief go on a friend's SNES. He got his before I got mine, and I remember him showing showing it to me, and I remember being sort of impressed by the technicals. Um, but I didn't necessarily have the at that point. I was just more into kind of traditional arcade action stuff and whatever else, but. One of the things I wanted to say about this in terms of my history is this this game, this series is now considered such a curio and such a niche thing, I think. But in fact, coming to a game like this in the early 90s, it didn't feel that weird because I'd grown up in the 80s playing all kinds of aeroplane games, um, even mm. ones that weren't combat based. Like one of my favorites from the early mid 80s was a game called Solo Flight, which was a game where you played an uh, an aeroplane that delivered post and all you did was you flew around america uh it was a 3d it was third person so it was behind the plane like pilot wings and you had to manage your fuel and you had to take off and land and the conditions would change so it wasn't it was not a million miles away at all from pilot wings it didn't have the other disciplines and whatever else but the idea of playing 3D flying games, I'd played Fighter Pilot on my my Atari 8-bit. I'd played uh, F-29 Retaliator on the Amiga, F-14 Interceptor and all this stuff. So 3D flight games in themselves were not a massive novelty. What was different here was the fact that it was it was presented as this funky, fun, friendly thing. And the graphics were that much more smooth and detailed and colourful. I'd also seen Mode 7 or the equivalent used before on the Amiga. Uh, they'd done it via the, I think via the Blitter chip possibly, I'm not sure, not technical as I always say, but I'd played other games that used a very similar notion to Mario Kart in that they'd taken a, a 2D image and turned it into a track. So that wasn't a complete new thing for me either. So I suppose maybe the appeal had just waned slightly. It wasn't quite as exciting as if I'd, you know, if I'd never had any of that stuff. Mm. But I do remember my friend who had this nest saying it's all like this until you get to this helicopter level and then suddenly <laughs> it turns into a shoot 'em up and it's really hard <laughs> uh that was that was my takeaway so i never got around to buying it uh and in fact the first time i bought my own pilot wings was on the wii virtual console and i've owned it on all the virtual consoles since then mm. um, but the first time i finished it was in the run-up to this show on my classic mini so wow. yeah oh. <laughs> so so uh, back in the days you also didn't play it? Uh I play I think I may have had a brief go on my friend's one I think just you know some of the early 
just dabbling with the early stuff with the, mm. maybe some of the, the first mm. set of levels yeah um i played a ton of 64 which we're going to talk about later in the year and i think that was the other thing by the time i had my snes we were only two years away from pilot wing 64 yeah. and then i played that and then it seemed like a massive downgrade to go mm. back to the I, to the that, that blows my mind that there's only two years between the two games because it just felt no, there like weren't Oh, there, okay. there was six. There was two years between me getting a SNES okay. and Pilot Wing sixty four. Mm. There was yeah. six years between the games. Yeah, okay, that makes more sense. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course, the the if you you've played Pilot Wing sixty four and then everything yes. seems curiously flat in the original. Yeah. Well, yes. Mm. We'll get into that when we talk about the visuals. Yeah. But let's talk a little more about the scenario and setting. So this is a flight club, as we've alluded to. You have instructors. There's nothing really on the box. Uh, I, I can't remember what the actual back of the box uh, description is. Uh, but simply, you boot the game up. You get this uh, Mode 7 title screen. It shows you some sky and this uh, swirly logo. And it says uh, something along the lines of, do you ever dream of flying? The first instructor of the four who take you through, show you the ropes and, and grade you, Tony. A mild-mannered young trainer who's perfect for beginners mm. uh, starts. You just yeah, you've got like fairly simple options at this point. You've got um, it shows you a top-down map of the sort of area that you're going to be learning in, and it's got these kind of super low-tech, high-tech um, sort of green wireframe images of the the vehicles that you're about to to fly in, and off you go. It it, it feels quite. Um, quite simple and straightforward as i suppose a lot of 16-bit games did but once you had for instance darren you you know you'd ended up playing this um without having you know kind of bought it because you know the box didn't appeal to you or whatever mm -hmm. um once you got kind of you got the the notion the concept behind the game did that appeal to you in in any way or did it seem a bit kind of prosaic and safe or or did it excite you i, I tell you what right um the hang gliding seemed like the most exciting thing to me but the whole thing about it being mode 7 and stuff it didn't ever bother me like I was never wowed by it and I don't know why mm. I was never impressed by mode 7 or even stunt race effects when it's like you know it's very flat shaded polygons and even Star Fox stu it wasn't a mind-blowing revelation like all that 3D kind of you know whether it was fake right. 3D or, or real so to speak until the 64 like it it was just there in front of me and I just played it I, it was never like whoa I'm actually in the sky it was just more of a thing of just like <laughs> okay mm. this is a challenge I need to do and I guess that's just down to the age maybe I was around about 9, 8 I, I guess mm. so it was just Taking another video story. game to me and I wasn't ever really right. That. Had you played much 8-bit stuff at that point? Like, I mean, you played, you'd had an Amstrad or something, hadn't you? So had an Amstrad CPC green screen. So, you so know. surely the leap was like, I can't. I find that amazing because I would have, I, I would have, I would have thought you'd be going, my God, this is astonishing. I think I, I was, I was always willing to play games as long as they played well, and I guess that's mm. true now. You know, I, I never really cared about the visual side of it. I just saw games as what they were. Like I say, all the way up until 64. So just seeing another game was just like, okay, well, how does it play? And if I enjoyed right. playing it, then that was more important than huh. the next graphical technical leap. You know what I mean? I was, I was never yeah. that well, I was never that bothered. <laughs> it was just like, okay, I can be a penguin. Wicked, let's go. <laughs> Easy. Mikhail, were you more impressed by the uh, by the the sort of the the technical advance that was being shown to you here if indeed it you know if you did consider it an advance the mode seven? Oh yeah, the, for sure, for sure, the, and the I 3D. Mean, like you said, there were 
game said it like primitive polygons or or even some uh, sprite uh, you know some similar type of uh, sprite scaling but this looked exceptionally smooth and and at the time incredibly convincing to me uh, the sound also plays a role in that for example uh, mm. one thing that I will, will never leave me is um you know getting on that uh, that step ladder uh with with skydiving and then just flying all you know all the way up and letting yourself drop down and then the 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 wind sound effect and the your, sample your, sound mm-hmm. yeah yeah the sample sound and the, the, the your your clothes are sort of swelling up and mm. uh, fluttering in the wind um i i saw it the first time in that import shop on a on a pretty big screen and i was telling to one of my friends, I was getting really excited about having a Super Nintendo myself and, t- and telling him all about Pilot Wings and uh, a couple of other games. And I said, like, and and he knew somebody who had a massive projector screen. I said, like, oh, once I get my Super Nintendo, we need to connect it to your friend's projector screen so we can really, you know, see how how incredible this game uh, looks on a on a large screen. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was it was uh, it was super impressive to me the the way it looked. Which did you see first, F Zero or Pilot Wings? Can you remember? Uh, I saw Pilot Wings before F Zero. Yeah, hmm. in uh, okay. in motion. But I suppose also what I was trying to get at was the again, like as I say, there were other games that were you know at least as kind of um, based around sort of uh, less sort of high fantasy or, or dramatic ideas. But as a however old you were at this point, Mikhail, mm-hmm. did the idea of a a challenging but ultimately especially given that the helicopter mission was basically a secret yeah. at this point did the idea of doing these flight challenges and tests did, did it appeal did it excite you yeah I, i've always liked the or uh, the idea of flying around in uh in the air um and but maybe the biggest pull was indeed the graphics for me i thought like oh this is just like the you know the perfect title to show if you're uh, your new machine off with right and mm. um but yeah i've always liked the idea of, of flying and what you said about how yeah how how sedate maybe the introduction and the menus mm. looked and everything i came of the 8-bit nintendo the nes we we had just sold our system with all its games and you know just that simple thing of selecting a vehicle and see it zoom up close into this into the screen with the, the accompanying sound effects was already pretty snazzy in our eyes yeah. you know so yeah. as as sedate as it looks now and as as, as you know non-exciting it was those little touches were pretty exciting at the time actually yeah i do want to talk a bit more about the instructors because really although there's no character or characters on the box there are some in the game this is a first party nintendo ead nintendo game yeah and as such, you expect to see some kind of personality, and I think where the game has that is in these this this group of instructors. The first time, the first and only time you see your player character is if you complete the game on expert. At yeah. the very end, you get to see him. It looks like basically a Japanese guy yeah. walking uh, down a parade of uh, mm. sort of military types to receive a medal. Yeah, um, for your heroics, uh, which we'll come on to. Um, so that's kind of weird in itself, in that the game keeps your who you are a complete mystery and a secret until, other than you're somebody who's trying to learn how to fly stuff. Um, I suppose you could argue that you do see him mm-hmm. um, f- 
in sprite form as mm. a parachuting guy and as a uh, rocket belter and a rocket belter but really I, you can't really see what he looks like or anything can you yeah no, I've, he, I've definitely seen him upside down a fair few times with the old <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, he's more cartoony in the game. Isn't he? <laughs> yeah. The funny thing is, uh, now coming back to this this game and looking at the instructions again, I have mm. a theory because it's funny that they're called uh, Tony, Shirley, Lance, and Big L. But I have yeah. a theory that at most probably in the Japanese version, uh, Tony, Shirley, and uh, Big L ha- probably have Japanese names because they look very yeah. much like Japanese characters, and Lance looks yeah. like. A stereotypical uh, American or maybe uh, maybe a British guy, you know, like a, a stereotypical mm. we- Westerner. But the other three look very much like they're Japanese characters, actually. You're probably right, and I, yeah, I haven't actually got those names if they if they do exist. Um, but yes, they are compared to the rest of the game, which which although there is there is a certain amount of um, Looney Tunes style humor in it when you when yeah. you land badly or whatever. Um, here's where the, you get to see these massive faces like crying with joy when you do well and yeah. um, scolding you when you do badly. And there's some text as well, which uh, although it's fairly simple stuff, it's I think it's mostly reasonably well localized and and gives you a good sense of the the instructor's uh level of of how you know how pleased they are with your competency or, yeah. or not as the case may be last the the, the uh you know the, my re- most recent playthrough uh before the show uh i've managed to make each one of them at least like yeah, a score score one part uh, uh almost 100 percent on and it's, yeah. it was quite funny i don't i couldn't recall ever seeing Shirley uh, reacting to 100% because her eyes are uh, are like cartoony, uh, ver- vertical cartoony stripes all of a sudden. It looked very funny. Yes. Mm. Yeah. They have this se- sort of semi-realistic look and then all of a sudden uh, they look like cartoon characters. So as we'll talk about in our 64 show, these characters were pretty much, they don't exist in that world, do they? They, they were sort of replaced by the uh, by the 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 bird character pilots which we'll talk yeah. about um and these these guys I, I mean they might pop up in smash brothers somewhere i don't know mm. as a maybe trophy as a, or a spirit yeah, or something, spirit something yeah they're very they've been very much kind of sidelined binned i mean this again in the next show we'll talk more about the series and kind of how it petered out we haven't seen any installment for seven years at this point yeah um and they were more present in the game than the uh, f-zero pilots were yeah, right. The, the, yeah. the, the pilots of F-Zero were just relegated to the manual. Yeah, because you, you go back You'd never to, see them in the game. Yeah, That's true. And you go back to these instructors after every single mission. They score you. They tick you off. They tell you if it's not worth continuing because your score's too bad. Or, you know, what, they give you hints and tips. Yeah. Yeah, just interesting. Um, yeah, they're a strange bunch. They kind of... You know, if you look like if you look at the instruction manual, like it says Lance, age unknown, then he's he is a very <laughs> mysterious character. Mysterious. But yeah, I've never really seen them as uh, until like now, until I played it recently. I've never really seen them as as characters. They were just they were just people who were at this flight club. I've always just treated them as that, yeah, and I've never really there, thought about some, them. Since. There's something more there. Uh, there there's something um, definitely mysterious about them because you have to <laughs> rescue them out of enemy territory at some point and they were on en, en route to an island which was known to be a base of some sort of uh, evil syndicate the uh, evil corporation or the evil syndicate the, yeah yeah the evil exactly. syndicate. so yeah, i don't know what they, they, they what entered, they were up to uh, they entered yeah. evil syndicate airspace um, <laughs> on their way to an island yeah yes yeah <laughs> 
that's the thing with this game like the scenario set and all that it has some really harsh turns in in terms of like vibe it's got some really nice like cool music but then if you fail uh i think it's tony or big al he's got a massive horrible face on but it's still got a nice ca- <laughs> calming music in the background like dear dear dear, dear you're rubbish try again you loser and you're like all right i'm trying to enjoy the music here but he's, i'm being scolded by some uh some guy i don't really know you know what I mean, yeah, um, if, they, if it was Mario or Yoshi giving me a bunch of grief at the end of a mission, I'll probably pay more attention. Possibly so, but I'm kind of glad that this game has this very distinct personality compared to like I think if they if they did do another one these days, you can imagine them crowbarring a load of established IP in there. Yeah. But these characters remind me of um, people you might have seen in a in a Japanese anime or something. Like yeah. they feel like they're they're adult characters from from an anime yeah. uh, and with their you know hyper expressive faces and stuff like that. Mm. This game feels like you know it's when Nintendo were were still quite comfortable or at least didn't think about doing things any differently to making their games really feel very Japanese. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like I appreciate that they're, 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 they're now. So I was referencing myself as a nine year old, like playing. Yes. It. For um, sure, but, yeah. but yeah, to me, they were just, they were just humans in a game and it was just, they were telling mm. me how to play rather than, you know, any kind of actual character there. But I, yeah. I, I really appreciate the, the, the plain nature of it all with pilot wings there's a pun there but yeah it, 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 on the surface it all seems really kind of bland and uninteresting mm. do you know what i mean and again that goes back to the box art it all just seems very yeah just very normal and it's just like then you put it in and there's very there milk just, toast yeah yeah that's it yeah there's just but there is a bunch of charm there and it, you know that it won't obviously just pop out in front of you and start giving you like you know some classic comedy to go with, but like when you do buckle the um, the hang glider or mm. you, you mm. drop yourself in the water with a rocket belt, when you feel like you've got it and you just you just on the top of the water and he goes plop and you're like oh there he goes duh, 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 duh. like there, there's a lot of charm <laughs> there to be had, but um, yeah it doesn't yeah. reveal itself until you give it a good old hour or two you know yeah yeah that was one of the the points I put actually sort of segueing from the the anime like faces of the of the the instructors when when they're happy or or sad or angry um yeah the, the that sort of looney tunes-esque humor that's in the game mm. where the game does feel a bit more nintendo is when you mess up basically that's that's yeah. the point where the you know i remember seeing again i think it was uh, yeah see things are coming back to me i remember a screenshot of Again, this game doesn't necessarily work that well in screenshots, but seeing like the, a cracked hole in the ground with legs sticking out of it, kind of thing, <laughs> uh, and a, yeah, a crumpled up hang glider or whatever it is, and thinking, okay, yeah, this game has got this. Is, it's not, it's not as not as dry as like Cane and Rinse or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> On the subject of the visuals, then, so we've already talked about sort of what the Mode Seven meant or didn't it mean to us in terms of whether it impressed us, but um, I want to talk a bit more about uh, yeah how it how it looks performs and also our impressions of it now playing it in 2019 the thing that strikes me the most well two things i suppose on the positive side it's amazing how with a little recalibration of your brain even when you're used to astonishingly near photorealistic 3d environments or whatever it's astonishing how usable this these ultra simplistic two completely 2d graphics still are but on the flip side of that there are points where you are being given virtually nil visual information because mm. all you've got on screen is is like one solid plain color 
or just mm. you know you you might even not you might have nothing moving at all this oh, this was something that this was something that you used to get all the time in early flight simulators in the 80s yeah. like you just it, unless you were near one of the three vector graphics buildings in the entire world that was going past you you had no sense of how fast you were going you had to use controls and um yeah and your readouts and actually that's in some ways that's that's quite realistic of like modern passenger jet flying is because you don't feel like you're going at you know however fast you're going you you have to use your instruments but here you're very used to flying around in 3d if you can see like a ring of dots or whatever you get a much better sense of what angle and speed you're doing but on those bits where you're turning around and you're not looking at anything mm. if you see what i mean you're you're facing away from the area that you're coming back to or looking at the map you've got nothing to tell you how fast how high how yada yada other than the, your instruments and that that i can i find a bit discombobulating at times that's the stuff of nightmares that goes back to me being underwater and right captain toad's nebulous skyboxes like once you have the plane <laughs> that's a great going... name for a game by the way <laughs> once yeah. you have the plane going outwards and you need to turn around for a landing like a smooth landing and yeah you do just get the two-tone sky and the sea and you're like, I've got no reference for where I am at all. Yeah. And yeah, you, exactly. you kind of, you're, I, even just sitting down in my front room, I feel like I'm just kind of like floating in nothingness. And you're like, yeah, oh you're, God, you're, I feel really I cold. wanted to say that, yeah, Darren, you're in the nothing, like in a never-ending story. The nothing horrible, is coming. Like, <laughs> if, I can't, if, I, if I've got nothing to reference myself to my actual geographical location, it really throws me off my scent. And uh, yeah, but um, in terms of like actual making it feel like a 3D space i think i think it does do a really good job like even like the dotted lines that bring you in on the airplane or or the mm. light plane sorry and which it's all the kind of like the the kind of the buildings they have even though they are flat on the ground they do kind of represent you know buildings and stuff and i, I yeah genuinely believe even now playing it now that mm. they do actually pull you in quite well with just how it's interesting what they what they do with uh, with sh with shading. Uh, on yeah, the, base uh, base relief, I think it's called, or bass relief. Yeah. Is, is is where they give uh, two sides a very dark shade and 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 two sides a very light shade, so it looks mm. like it's got um, harsh light har uh, cast upon it. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. But obviously, in terms of again, what we're used to with realistic lighting models, with actual light sources and reflections and incredibly detailed water here, if you're low enough to the ground or the water, a texture kind of pops in all of a sudden. Certainly, again, I am I've been playing this effectively on emulation. So I wonder if this was any smoother on the original hardware. But basically, if you get low enough, you can start to see that there is a texture on the ground, which gives you, again, some sense of, of height and yeah. pace. There's, not, there's nothing really popping in. I mean, uh, the emulation should be pretty one-to-one -one on the Super Nintendo, I think. But um, what you do get is the further you are away from a texture, the more shimmery and messed up the uh, yes. uh, the, 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 the bitmap sp sprite uh, um, decoration becomes. Yeah, I think it is probably slightly different playing it a on a on a an emulator and b on an LCD. I think maybe mm -hmm. the game, you know, mm -hmm. even even with a CRT filter, I think the game was designed around. Of course, it was designed around being plugged into a cathode ray tube and and mm -hmm. running on the original hardware. So I think one's experience may vary slightly. But yes, having played it also on the the N3DS, it's a similar it's a similar experience yeah. on there. Any other kind of positives or negatives about the, the, the visuals? Because it is obviously, I think, more than some games, 
I, I'm I'm moved to talk about the the then and now because it was I think it it's it's a striking contrast between the then when for most of us not Darren apparently it was like a bit of a a technical kind of marvel and yeah. now it's almost you know it's almost the other end because it was so kind of of its time it's yeah. now obviously it would be you know when you consider what it looks like when you go up in the air in GTA 5 or or just cause or something like that it's you know people people could you know you could be you could forgive people for laughing at it mm. um yeah I, I mean i i could uh but i think like if you would have asked me when pilot wing 64 was out i would say that pilot wing the original pilot wings uh would have looked uh completely outdated mm. but coming yeah. back to it nowadays i feel it's quite charming in its own way again you yeah know? <laughs> the, the flat scenery and everything and the way the way they've tried to sell try to sell you the illusion and because uh the game can be pretty intensive yeah as soon as you start playing it you sort of forget that whole side of it yeah i i think it's impressive again how they kind of make you believe you are in this flight club uh, more specifically the parachute if you let the the intro ha- you know go on without skipping it you can just watch it go up and it, the numbers mm. go up and you can kind of hear the, the wind blowing a bit stronger and mm. it's just that weird pom when you let go you know like, oh no i'm actually going now that's that's awful you know what i mean it actually gives me like a little, a little sense of like yeah no we're gonna do this now and you see all the rings unfolding in front of you to give you a sense of where you may be and i do find it a bit tricky to get the guy through all the rings but i guess that's part of the point really mm. um but yeah just everything about the the feel of free falling or being in a plane or it, I, I don't know what it's like to be in these situations but they give me a good impression of what to expect and it comes down mainly from the audio side for me it definitely mm. does a mm. really good job of selling you the idea of feeling afraid and um especially yeah. if you do clear an easy stage so to speak and then you go oh, i'm good at that one so what i'll do i'll do the hard one next okay i've done all right on the hard one and all of a sudden yeah. that easy one becomes like 10 times harder because of the pressure and then all the noises come yeah. in like the airplane like going and you're like oh god the airplane's coming in at a funny angle i'm, I'm bumping yeah. it a bit and it's just like yeah and then you hear it crack the wind bends and it just snaps off and yeah, you yeah. get the you know the quality looney tunes duh, 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 and then it all just oh you just feel so gutted that you've broken um you know your, your airplane on what was yeah. usually an easy ride and and the uh like like you say also the just the wind and like when the the wind intensifies and becomes starts to play more of a role you really can feel it tugging at your your vehicle or your your character uh, yeah it's qu- quite impressive for 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 such an early 16-bit title like the alarm noises the whoop 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 of like you know descent too great or you know you're, you're doing something wrong like it's so it's so stern it's so stubborn in its noises and its alarms and it will be because you're flying a bloody plane do you know what i mean sort yourself out what are you doing like yeah you need it, it does a really good job of scaring you is what i'm trying to say and um yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and the act from the audio i also feel the expert uh courses like the the you know the uh the island at dusk and uh the, the sort of the drill platform uh at night uh at night and the the early area in the, in the snow they're quite atmospheric also i, I agree hmm. yeah. yeah i wanted to say that atmosphere uh, is considering the simplicity of what you're looking at by modern standards the atmosphere is still there in spades especially yeah i think on that second run through especially the the first run through has a nice you know has the the pleasant kind of generally green and blue uh, yeah. lovely use of of color good choice of of you know 
palette within within that spectrum. But um, but yeah, the second the second set of levels, everything's tougher, everything's much more demanding. We'll talk about that. Mm. But yeah, the the snow and and the wind and the the darkness and all that really yeah it really sort of ranks up ramps up the atmosphere I think. Mm. And um, yeah, for, it's, sure. it's, for me, I found it again. Bear in mind that I didn't really play this at the time. Um, it was, I suppose, it was nostalgic of other games that I played back in mm -hmm. the 80s and 90s, but but it still it still worked, even though yeah, like snow, it's just a big white sheet of, of land. Yeah, but it, it, it somehow it cements the idea, doesn't it? And it's it's quite absurd if you think this is the same area as, as the the desert area of the first stage <laughs> with the sort of the canyon rock formations in the background, and now all of a sudden it's snow. Very yeah. cold in the winter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but um. Yeah, this is interesting for me to hear because it's hard to disattach this game with nostalgia for me. It's it's mm. so it's, yeah, it's interesting to hear. Oh, you know, since you came to it this late, how, well, how you experience it? Yeah, I suppose it's like you know how sometimes you might see a, a minimalist a piece of a, a painting, a, a very mm. minimal piece of art, or or a, one of the you know very kind of stylized, simplistic Scandinavian or Eastern European cartoon or something, and they communicate ideas and atmospheres you know sometimes very economically yeah. and in a way this just is a like few that. brush strokes yeah yeah um our brains are kind of i think i think our human brains kind of want to buy into ideas don't they so sometimes the suggestion of it um can be more powerful than having it kind of again this i mean so many times we've we've said stuff like this but Maybe these graphics, in a way, to me, are more evocative than, say, some PS1 era graphics because there's mm. there's more attempt at kind of doing stuff, detail, and the more the more bad detail or unconvincing detail you put into a scene, the less your imagination takes over and does the work. Here, mm. you've just got a screen that is ninety percent white and, or you know, maybe seventy percent white and thirty percent blue, and a few kind of yeah. things wiggling about. But your brain's going. Yeah, snow. Yeah, I'm in the air. It's cold. You see, you know, you you, you clock the wind meter, and it all kind of adds up to to conjure mm. up a scene. Yeah, um, it's sort of surprising how effective that stuff can be. When, as I say, we, I think for a lot, I, uh, maybe this wouldn't be true for everyone. I think it probably, you know, your mileage may vary and all that. But it's surprising. You know, I've played the modern games with the modern graphics, and I love them. And I think it's in, I, there's very little in life I like more than being in a a modern, you know, Red Dead Redemption or Link or a Breath of the Wild type world. But the fact that this can something this retro can still have such a a, a strong effect mm. is uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's joyous really. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. Like it's it's the the lack of detail also means that there is less that uh, that puts you off. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned the sampled sound there, um, and the some of the sort of uh, uh, the, the communication, the sound effects. Um, we've there's been a lot of discussion recently about uh, accessibility in games, and, and we've discussed behind the scenes about talking more about this stuff. Mm. Um, obviously, with games that are 30 years old, uh, I think allowances can be made for the fact that maybe the industry should have been embracing that stuff earlier on, but it clearly wasn't and the expectation wasn't there. But I think, um, you know, there probably would be considerations for all, with all kinds of people trying to play pilot wings with whatever, whether it's color blindness or, or motor skills uh, issues or um, deafness, I think. I don't think this game would cater for any of that because my and again I can't speak from a position of experience because I'm I'm privileged but 
uh, I feel like I was using all of those things uh, in tandem to get mm. a sense of what was going on. And in fact, I did play the game uh, at some points with music on or podcast on, and I didn't do as well because mm. just having a, that's hearing those sampled engine noises helped communicate the uh, the speed at which you were yeah. traveling. So things like Definitely. landings become harder without sound and stuff like that. Game music then. So we've already had a little laugh about the rocket belt music. Um, so Soya Oka uh, is the composer. As I say, she uh, she did some uh, she did a few things for for Mario um, for Mario. There you go for Nintendo, including Super Mario All Stars. Uh, she arranged the sound on that from the original Koji Kondo scores, and she did some of the music for Super Mario Kart. Um, she started with Nintendo in the late eighties. And her last credit was actually Wario's Woods in '94. I don't know. Don't know what she went on to do. Other things, presumably. After yeah. that, she went um, to work in uh, in TV uh, for TV uh, and uh, yeah. Well, that makes perfect sense because uh, some of these jingles sound very much like um, <laughs> yeah, like uh, yeah. game show music or or something like that. Um, yeah. I think there's a certain amount of charm. There's also quite a lot of cheese, and and I really yeah. think she could she could fill a, a stock sound library. I think. Easily, yeah. <laughs> I think um, those vocal samples on the track, like I wouldn't change them for the world, but they really are very silly. <laughs> That's why I love them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what about the other tunes? Uh, the title theme. I think and the, the, and the various levels. Yeah, the title theme is is, uh, is mm. instantly recognizable. Um, I think also the uh, the biplane. Uh, Music is fantastic, a real, real earworm. Um, the skydiving and uh, delta plane, I always have trouble recalling, but that's because both mm. those events have very loud wind effects and uh, and, and and you know the the fluttering and flapping of uh, yeah. of, of cloth. So it's it's harder to make the the, the songs out there. Yeah, I think the part that means music for me is probably my favorite thing about it and it kind mm -hmm. of fits in with the game the whole game's vibe you know what i mean it's it is like the music you might hear in your brain if you're flicking through the argos catalog or something like that you know it's kind of very <laughs> kind of backgroundy lift music yeah music but it yeah. fits the game's vibe you can imagine just walking into a, a flight club door and that music playing in the speaker in a corner you know what i mean and in the elevator i think yeah. she's absolutely nailed it to be honest and it, it i I can't really remember much of the Pilot in 64 music at the moment because I'm still singing oh, the Rocket Belt tune in my head. Yeah. But mm. um, I, I do think this soundtrack is, by being completely kind of at odds with Mario music and Zelda music at the time and other kind of cartoonish games, it really stuck out. as was like, what is going on here? And it's just completely bonkers. <laughs> and when, yeah. and when, they, when, when they do throw um, a more zany track at you in the bonus games, mm. it, even, mm. it, it sticks out even more. You're like, okay, so, so what is going on in the other levels where it's like, do, 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 do. You're like, oh, that's just, and then it all goes like light and airy with the do, 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 do. It's just like nothing I've ever heard before. And yeah. again, like Pilot Wings as a whole was a game that I'd never really had never really seen before because I haven't really played flight games before that. And while I said it didn't really impress me from a technical point of view, I think just the whole vibe of the game 
really kind of struck a chord with me over time because I kept coming back to it. And I think the music is a large part of that because every time yeah. you did like bump into the tracks that you downloaded off Kazar or whatever, you're like, oh yeah, let's download some Pilot Wings music. And you're like, you could just instantly just go back to the levels in your mind and go, yep, I remember trying to get those bouncing bar things on the rocket belt level. Yep, I can hear it. I can see it. And uh, yeah, yeah, I think the music is, for me personally, some of the, the SNES's finest. Yeah, this... this uh, game Pilot Wings and F Zero and uh, Super Tennis of all games and Super Mario World just mm. have all the sounds, all the sound cues, all the all the jingles, all the little uh, end of level tunes, and and then in Pilot Wings the the menu piano laced music and everything. It's just so incredibly nostalgic, and it instantly transports me back to those uh, yeah those early Super Nintendo times and yeah, the early nineties. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why earlier on in the podcast I said I stuck my arms out and pretended to be a plane to the Smash Brothers light playing music because it just, I, there's not many soundtracks for me that perfectly match the gameplay. And I, I do genuinely believe that the, the music, if you took away, like you said, Leon, if you took away the music from the game, you would lose something, do you know what I mean? And that's not because mm. the game is a music-based game, but it's just an experience it's a yeah. you know it's a vibe and i use the word vibe a lot for this game because i think it's got a very cool mm. but stressful vibe and again that's at odds with itself but it works like they're so it's so juxtaposed like yeah. it's such a hard game but then like you look in one corner and it's like the most stressful game in the world you look in the other corner and there's a guy like in my mind it's just like laid back and there's a guy just you know swigging some brandy or something like that it's, <laughs> it, it's just such a a, a game that's kind of in conflict with itself but because it's so unique it just works yeah. And let's not forget, it kind of set the tone for any uh, the the other Pilot Wings games that f would follow. They they also f all feature kind of a smooth, cheesy, Lounge. elevated music uh, soundtrack. Yeah. yeah, if I recall correctly, uh, the Hang Glider tune on sixty four is one of those like Dire Dire Docks that can reduce both Darren and I to tears. Mm. Um, yeah, <laughs> we we'll worry about that in a few yeah. months' time. Yep. So actually playing the game, I suppose the thing that strikes me most having effectively gone backwards and played more of this after I'd played a lot of the N64 game uh, lest we forget although the N64 wasn't the first console with an analog controller far from it it was the one that popularized it and an analog stick makes so much sense for a flight game mm. uh, it made perfect sense that they brought pilot wings back for the N64's launch but of course here who had who had an analog stick? Well, the Super Nintendo certainly didn't. It no. had a it had a, a six button and eight directional D pad controller. Yeah. So obviously, uh, it's it's a very different feel to the to the later game. Um, you guys were there at the time. Yeah. And again, I I mean, I was used to playing flight games with joyce with you know with clicky micro switch digital joysticks. So it was hardly a Hardly an unusual thing, but I but suppose it feels different with a stick as opposed to a little deeper. That's right? partly it, yeah. But yeah. also, again, just going not only Pilot Wing sixty four, but the literally dozens and dozens of games that we've all played, open world games where you fly about in whatever craft over the last fifteen twenty years mm. have you know we've been using analog sticks as default since the early early two thousand late nineties early two thousands. So to play a game like this digitally now obviously the game is designed around it yeah but do you find that a barrier at all does it is it like riding a bike you just come back to just tapping those tapping those little uh dinky d-pad buttons yeah it's it's weird when you think about it 
oh, I'm playing a flight simulator with with a D-pad. Uh, but yeah, it's it is a bit like riding a bike as well. And I have to say, one advantage somehow of it that it's far easier to stay a course uh, with just mm -hmm. a few taps on the D-pad and and mm -hmm. keep 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 a straight line, for example. Um, of course, uh, the average analog stick is much more sensitive, and uh, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I, I feel like mm. I was more in control because the the game is designed around you know the the, the D pad. So when you're free falling in the sky and you want to go towards the rings, you kind of have it in your mind after a few tries and a few errors that maybe this time you only press three times up on the D pad to make exactly the, like, yeah. To me, that guy free falling is a turtle, and I don't. I, I know he's a human, but whenever <laughs> I see him spinning in the sky or when he's on his Cooper. head or something, he's just it's just a turtle to me. Yeah, he could have been a Cooper at some point, definitely. Um, but yeah, whenever I see him, yeah. So it's just like, all right, three times on the D pad up this time. There's a lot more. Yeah. There's um, there's a lot more control going on, and I didn't. I wouldn't have thought I'd have said that about a D pad game over an analog stick. But yeah, mm. if I had a if I had an analog stick in my hands, I probably would have made a lot more mistakes because, like you say, they are more sensitive and they are. They would give the player a lot more um, room for room, room for error, definitely. definitely. Yeah. Interesting what you say there. Again, talking about recent discussions about difficulty and accessibility and, and fine motor controls. That's the thing. Modern games with analog sticks, obviously most of us you know, uh, are blessed enough with, with, with fine enough motor skills to mm. to use analog sticks for driving and, and racing, uh, you know, controlling characters and whatever else. But actually... It uh, it's it, there. There are a huge number of conditions that can uh, compromise mm. that for a person. Whereas a D-pad, if you can press the D-pad in a direction, then you can play the game, kind of thing. Yeah, uh, I know so, so many people that bounced off uh, uh, of video games when once they started to standardize, like um, you know, three D three D worlds and analog controls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This I, is, I okay, think, this um, is this is too this is too much for me. To, you know. Mm. People who have been playing like really tricky platformers, uh, 2D platformers and everything, and they just stopped playing video games. Yeah, I was much better at Ridge Racer with a D-pad than I've ever been at any racing game since. Uh, and I still play Wipeout with the, with the D-pad rather than the analog sticks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. similar, similar kind of feelings. So, yeah, I guess what we're saying is it's absolutely fine. Uh, you just yeah. have to get used it's, to the old tap-tap. <laughs> when you think about it, it's quite amazing how well it plays, yeah. Hmm. Uh, obviously the different vehicles uh, feel different um we'll we'll talk about the individuals but let's talk about the the level of challenge and the scoring system so on the first the first playthrough so effectively the game is it is the same game twice but it's not because the second set of levels are considerably more uh, difficult and and the layouts are much more challenging yeah and um, and the, and the objectives are a little bit different as well yes objectives are different and the scoring gets more uh gets harsher as well doesn't it uh, and yeah. and the and the barriers to progress get higher uh, so again this um i suppose if anything this game reminds me of the the kind of multi sport the popular multi sport sims from the 80s Mm. Um, that the sort of multi-event things where you yeah would, like the California games and the, uh, exactly that kind of thing yeah, yeah. now uh, I suppose it, it's relevant to bring it up here as well how you play this will affect how frustrating or how easy this is so I played this on an emulator which means that you can save between events but actually by default the original game there's no battery save all it has is passwords uh, passcodes which are the same uh, so I think they're 
well they're the same every time certainly when i've been playing i don't know if they're are they the same on every cartridge or is it um is it that they generate by uh hmm. randomly i'm not sure they but probably they they probably don't save your scores of the previous uh um island i think yeah so they're, yeah. they're, pro- they're probably just a, pa- a pass mark yes maybe they yeah, say yeah. save your um because you do get some sort of grading on your uh mm. diploma right maybe they do save that grading i'm not sure because i think it's the same every time no matter what you do mm. uh, i'm trying to remember now if, if i remember seeing the the pilot wings passcodes printed in in magazines or whatever because if they were the same for everybody then you could just you know jump to the end kind of thing uh, if you wanted i've got, to. I've got yeah. my notebook here and i'm looking you at can actually and the numbers are the same. So, yeah, right. they are just yeah. kind of very bog standard. Yeah. You know, you've reached a milestone. Yes. No progression kind of thing. But the point being um, that it, you get one of those after every set of levels. Yeah. But to mm. play it the pure way and, and not saving between individual events, you have to get a good enough score across between two and four events in a row. So mm. if you do have a weakness... Uh, you can end up coming a cropper, uh, uh, as our correspondent was saying. It pays often to do the one that you think you're the worst at first, because if you mess it up, at least you've only got that one to redo, rather than the mm. entire, the entire level. Or you can try to get as big a score as possible on the events you're good at, and risk, take the gamble. Now that does add a certain amount of tension, but I'll admit, on uh, as a, as I progress through the game, I was using save dates to save time, basically, particularly on. Mm. Uh, particularly on levels where I could, knew I could get pretty much the same score every time I did them. It, so it was just an exercise in, uh, you know, just repetition. Um, so I, I took that modern little mm. perk. But I probably lost a little. I'm not saying I didn't use the save states to save time because, you know, time is precious nowadays. But I think, genuinely believe, from my personal tastes, that um, the the three or four trials in a row is where the kind of the actual meat of the game comes from for me because like yeah. i said earlier you can really like the whole game's tension is based around you getting the sweaty palms because you've done the hard one enough you've got 70 points on the first one for me it was mm. always the um uh, so it was always the hang glide for me i couldn't just i, I was really good at the rocket belt i still am i'm pretty yeah, good at too. the plane and i can't do the hang glider very well mm. and you know and uh, yeah i can't remember the last one to be honest with you but um yeah, uh, overall, I'd yeah, always get the hang first. That's it, skydiving. Uh, you know, uh, skydiving can be me. iffy as well, yeah. Oh, God, I think, just... in fact, on that, sorry, Darren, I think actually everyone says the exact same thing about the difficulty yeah. of the different yeah. events. So I think there's, I think that's all, I, I know sub- difficult, difficulty is subjective, but in this game, I've not heard anyone who doesn't think that the rocket belt is the easiest, the light plane next, and then the skydiving and hang glider are both really hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's pretty un- pretty universal, yeah. yeah. For me, the, um, the free falling, I, I keep calling it that, not skydiving. Skydiving. Um, yeah. That, that for me goes one or two ways right at the very end. I'm pretty good all the way up <laughs> until it goes to the landing. And this, yeah. your brain's like, I'm going to go for that moving square. Can I do that? Oh, and then no. you're like, oh, I'm not going to go for it. And then you're going to, and then, yeah, you, you kind of, your brain just completely goes upside down. And so does your Cooper man. Yeah, he's, um, but yeah. I, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but like I say, the whole tension of the game comes from, right, I've nailed the hang glider enough. Because, you know, you've probably done one or two runs already. So you, you know the general how many points you need to get through. And, you know, you've had your scolding from Big Al and he's 
it's giving you the, the 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 evil frown but with the nice music in the background and yeah you go again you're like oh i've actually nailed the hang glider now i've really got to do well on my easiest subject the rocket belt and you just plop in the water and straight away oh, and it's just yeah. the whole thing comes crumbling from underneath mm. you and yeah, yeah you, you just it's one of those things you're... where you where you have to tie the whole thing together yeah that's it it's it is it's just completely genius and I love the Krypton Factor style menu select and the way it all kind of pulls in towards you. Like, you've picked this one and now you're doing the hang glider mode and you're like, oh God, here we yeah. go. And the music ramps up and it's all, there's a lot of atmosphere and a lot of energy within the music and the way it all kind of unfolds in front of you. And it, it really, like the music, when you select something and like I say, the, the wireframe vehicle comes towards mm -hmm. you and then yeah. it all just builds up and it's, there's so much energy there that you really, it does really amp you up and it, it goes back to the music being absolutely phenomenal for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, it, it's, I'm getting excited just thinking about it, to be honest. <laughs> and uh, and back in the days, back in my time, yeah. uh, I mean, this this game isn't very lengthy con content-wise. No, not So, yeah, we, we just had so much fun just you know, like passing the controller around and try all three or four events in a row in a particularly tough, um, yeah, in a on a particularly tough island, um, yeah, and, and we we really it was just so much fun to just sink our teeth in it and tie the whole thing together and finally being able to complete it uh, back when we had it. It can was, be um, quite frustrating though if you've spent sort of three or four minutes doing a task and then you mess it up right at the last second i mean that's, well, that's just yeah well it was we, when you're sitting together with a group we all you know we all have a laugh, laugh at the person yeah. uh person's <laughs> yeah, yeah, misfortune yeah. and then uh, ne the next one is uh is up the track <laughs> i was watching our very own chris's stream last sunday as of recording yes um, sometime in april and he absolutely it's on YouTube now. did exactly what we've probably all done and we put in so much effort and hard work to only fall short by three points and he was just absolutely gutted but yeah. he, he wanted to try again. The game's got that, mm. it's got a very good feeling of just like, no, I can do this better. Yeah. I can be better at this game. And uh, I'm not too sure what it is about the game's uh, magic or formula, but it definitely makes you feel like that you are getting better every time and uh, you, you can yeah. do it. Yeah, it's surprising because I hadn't played it in ages when I went back to it, just how I was able to nail certain events like the biplane landing uh for example and and the rocket belt stuff it just felt like like you said earlier before leon like riding a bike like mm. it was still everything was just still all there yeah but then that also goes for me with the um the, the I, I could never land the plane in the middle and uh earlier on you said the scores landed uh. somewhere in the middle and i just imagined my plane just not landing in the middle it's just like mm. oh my plane always and it always does that mm. weird the jolt, the plane kind of just jolts to the left ever so certain. And you're like, no, it's last second of landing my plane. Don't jolt to the left. And it's like landing okay. And you're like, yeah, that sounds about right. For you me. know what the, the, the secret is to the very first biplane event? Mm. Never steer left or right. Just fly mm. in a straight line off from the beginning. <laughs> Never touch nice. the left or the right side of your, uh, right side of your D-pad. And you land straight in the middle of the, of the yeah. landing strip. In Shut classic up. Nintendo style, this game starts very easily and finishes very difficult. Yeah, but the, the, yeah. the difficulty <laughs> curve seems a lot steeper than a traditional Nintendo game. You know, like Super Mario World, it kind of yeah. Well, there's not much of it, I suppose, this. is the thing. Yeah, there's only six like, six levels effectively, aren't there? So it's like oh, really easy, really hard, and that that goes yeah. again back to the 
the the juxtaposed nature of the game is that it's so relaxed and harsh at the same time and it's the same as the difficulty curve it's like you're doing well oh i know you're gonna fail a lot there is definitely i think it's like the first hang glider where you or maybe the second one where you have to hit the vents um the you know the the, the uh, stack of steam and the, the landing <laughs> spot is so close to where you stack need to be steam I don't know what it's called. Yeah, sure. The the windy pops. <laughs> tired, man. Stack of tired. steam is brilliant. Yeah. The floating popcorn. You know, that's how I see it though. It's just like a little stack of clouds just going up, and you're like, okay. And then the noise kicks off, and the the, the screen tilts. So like, it feels like you're yeah. being whooshed around, and uh, the landing spot the is just in up. such a weird place that it kind of forces you to learn the hang glider completely differently. Mm. Um, uh, it's horrendous. Uh, the the feeling of going out of control it's very much it reminds just because i've played it more in recent years but monkey target it's got that same thing of yeah you know you're off course you know you're going against the wind you know you're not going to make it all you're going to do is drown and it's just like this horrible <laughs> oh yeah. Wah, wah. Fallout. <laughs> uh, yeah so like plane uh, you fly through a series of floating orbs rings or arches some of them quite low to the ground some before orbs. landing some orbs in later lessons the biplane begins on the runway so you actually have to take off as well which is fairly straightforward crank the speed mm. up and uh, pull back on the on the d-pad pull back or just tap down whichever um yeah the thing i wanted to particularly say about the biplane is uh two two memories uh, that struck me is one uh there's a a, a runway that's supposed to be uh, although i don't think there's a rain effect as such or is there i can't remember now my, again, did my imagination put the rain in the sky, or does he tell you it's raining and therefore it's? I think he says it's been raining. The instructor, he or she, says it's been raining. It's not anymore, but the but the runway's still slick or something like that. Mm. Um, so the 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 incredible uh, sort of stopping distance that you have to uh, the runway is pretty generous in size. Thankfully, you don't have to land it on like a balance beam or something. But um, <laughs> again, scoring will be damaged um, but also there's one i think i think it's the final light plane level which is like a whole you know called a course of loops that you have to keep you know it's a whole it's a whole proper thing um rather than just a, th a, a three loops and then three three rings and then down kind of thing this feels like a whole like errant aerobatic course and i really like that and and one part of me was thinking Oh, I wish there was more of this. But then it came back to that weird feeling, which which game was it we were talking about before, where we said, actually, sometimes less is more in the sense of games with a limited number, a limited amount of content rather than like 100 identical courses. Sometimes mm. it's nicer, like Sega Rally or something, where you've got four tracks yeah. and you just really, you just learn them, you properly learn them, rather than just, you know, on to the next one, on to the next one, another identical track. Here, like, I just felt like, yeah, actually, I don't need another one of those. I can just yeah. perfect this one. Yeah, we spoke about that on the uh, Daytona show. That's right, Daytona. Yeah, it's all coming back. Yeah. Skydiving, yes. Uh, my major problem here, uh, the, the player is equipped with a steerable parachute, performs a solo jump from a helicopter while climbing to an altitude of 3,800 feet. During the descent, players must use wind resistance to manoeuvre themselves through a series of rings to earn points. Once the rings are passed, the player can deploy the parachute and attempt to land as close to the centre of target as possible. My issue here is once you've really gathered speed, uh, the last few rings, uh, I always end up just 
spinning forward, like rotating the turtle man, whoever he is, uh, and missing the last few rings. Fortunately, it's still possible to get through the the level with by doing the other mm. parts well. But yeah. um, what anyone got any tips? <laughs> uh sometimes i get it sometimes i don't it's just really really iffy you know you, you don't what you need to do actually is you need to have the ring layout memorized a little bit and yes. you need to already start steering yes. towards the next one before you even enter the the, the yeah. one that's straight straight in front of you gotcha uh yeah. that that's the, the 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 best way to do it uh, what I find difficult about um, the skydiving is exactly what you were talking about, because you want to sort of take a distance from the landing area so you can t- turn around and f- and sort of float towards it and mm. sort of drift down towards it. But then you uh, usually are, w- uh, you know, you're usually usually facing just the the nothingness, and you really don't have m- that much of a clue of where you are. So you end up either falling short of the landing area or or just uh, floating over it uh, after all yeah and i still think the lack of this is where land this is probably why i think uh, landing your your skydiver is one of the hardest things is partly coming back to that lack of visual information thing yeah a little mini map might have might have helped here actually yeah because where, you, you where can you go are to the in relationship top. to the to the ground yeah you can go to the top uh, over the top view but it's very limited it's it's much more closed in Um, but uh, I often find with the rocket belt I'll just end up kind of in that horrible thing where you're going around and around and around the thing you're Mm -hmm. trying to go through which is maddening (laughs) Um, and it's so scary to use the the let's say the less powerful the uh, retro rockets because you you can you can still float uh, you know uh, descend too fast and not be able to pull up quickly enough lose points or even crash yeah. Um, and in, in with the skydiving, once you've got the parachute out, you can flare your chute by tapping down on the D-pad. But the temptation is, you know, if you've misjudged it at all, is to keep doing that. And eventually you actually stall the chute and just plummet. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you'll get away with a, a soft enough landing, but sometimes you really won't. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I've gone far too fast and I've landed on my feet just fine for that. And I think, yeah. I, I think I've got away with a with a... It's surprisingly generous at times, yeah. And I, I feel like I've been on the edge of a target and it's still given me the points for it as well before. Mm. Um, the rocket belt, as I say, I think most people find this the easiest. I guess it's just the most, it's the one with the most direct control, isn't it? I, I guess that makes sense. You've got yeah. uh, two You two control your, you completely control your momentum. Yeah, obviously there's a huge amount of momentum involved. Plus you've got the wind to factor in. You've got fuel to worry about as well. Uh, the player jets to the skies to locate and pass through several floating rings or straight beams in one of the later levels these beams are barely off the ground at all um, before landing in a target zone wind typically factors heavily into each of the rocket belt courses i didn't find the fuel was a problem so much in in the super nintendo game as it was in the n64 sequel Mm, they seemed a bit harsher on fuel in that one Uh, this one it was mainly just that thing of not just yeah just not keep missing the the target which is it's yeah, a bit of a soft soft time limit uh where you uh where you you're 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 aware of it uh so you don't take too much time but um yeah, yeah. It's, and, and you if you want to score high you don't want to take too much time anyway so it's it's never a huge factor yeah i wondered if 
we thought that the scoring was a little lenient for rocket belt given how much easier we find it i mean obviously it's useful because if there's a rocket belt level uh, or or challenge in uh, a, a sub you know a, as a submission of a stage uh, it means that you can be confident of getting a, a higher score but it does feel like the it's much easier to get a, or it did to me it felt much yeah, easier maybe. to get a, a passing score than it did on the other uh, the other disciplines yeah maybe you're right and another thing that's forgiving about the rocket belt is that is that you can actually touch the ground with it it will cost you two uh, yeah. points or something but you can yes. you can do it yeah and so there's, you can uh, th- yeah you can still pass yeah and there's a secret uh also uh, i don't know if you know about this but it, there are actual areas with the rocket belt where you can touch the ground without losing points Oh, I didn't know. That. So, um, if do you remember those those weird textures that look like sort of uh, egg egg boxes? Yes, right. like the little mm. round like white uh, round white things. Yeah. yeah, if you uh, you can touch with your uh, with your feet uh, on them, and you'll bounce right up, and you'll destroy that eggshell thing or whatever it is. Oh, and you oh, hear weird. a little little weird jingle, and you sort of uh, you bounce off the ground without losing uh, losing any points. Huh. Yeah. Easter Speaking of that, I definitely landed on the the more military kind of style map. Um, yep. You know, it looks like a fort or a base or something. Yep. Yeah. I definitely tried to like bounce off the floor on a pixelated bit and it counted as a drown and that felt a bit unfair. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's not 100% pixel perfect on that, unfortunately. But um, no. yeah. yeah, the rocket belt is definitely my, my, my favourite, to be honest. It's, um, mm. It just feels... That with the, um, the bird's eye view camera... It kind of feels like I'm in complete control, but I've never really yeah. worked out. Having said that, which one is the? Like, <laughs> there's, there's there's two thrusters, isn't there? You got the, yeah. the blue one and the brown one, or the red one. The, like, yeah, the blue one is actually the stronger one. Yeah, but and it, it costs like more fuel. Whenever I use the other one, it feels yeah. like I'm I'm doing more damage to myself. I never feel like I'm in as controllers as a uh, as the as the um yeah the, yeah the the, the more. Yeah powerful one in theory it should give you more precise control but you usually feel like the the your your momentum is overriding and uh, mm. much of the influence of the of the orange thrust thrusters yeah i guess the yeah. idea is to burn less fuel so you score more points right but um yeah 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 i never found it that useful to be honest i was always just burning around with the blue one just you know yeah. causing a massive hole in the ozone so mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> sorry guys the hang glider is towed behind a biplane prior to the beginning of a course. Once released, players are required to ride up the, what did you call it? Stacks of smoke. Stack of steam. Stack, <laughs> stacks of steam or thermal currents to reach a set altitude or pass through one or more floating rings. Landing the glider can be more difficult compared to the other vehicles, it says here. Uh, yes, uh, no, no messing. Uh, I mean, yeah, this is the one where, as I say, I think if you if you feel like <clears throat> you you know you can know a long time before it goes wrong that it's going to go wrong because you you've got to kind of have this have your 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 tactics and your approach and you got to know your numbers. I think even in a lot of cases to get this mm. to get this stuff right. Yeah, there's a lot of premeditated moves with the hang glider. You've got to kind of know what to do next before you've even done it if you know what i mean it's like right if i, if I start doing this now that's going to affect me when i get over there yeah there's a lot of thought going into the hang glider that kind of a nine and a 35 year old darren doesn't really understand 
I'll just kind of fluke it and see what happens. Um, I do like the animation though, if you do hit the deck running, um, you know, with the old break button, I, there's a nice little smooth animation of him kind of landing um, with some fast feet. Yeah, like it's good. Yeah, it's nice one, little yeah. touches. Yeah, it's good. Mm. It's, um, it does happen sometimes. Do you feel you're close to mastering the hang glider, Mikhail? You've been playing this game for long enough. Um, the landing always seems to be a problem for me. The way you you with the the flare, you sort of uh, the the way you sort of fly upwards and then come come down very fast again, and mm. sometimes you just like fly over the the landing area and. Yeah, it's 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 always a tricky one. Uh, it's if anything, it's made me more scared to try it in real life than I. <laughs> yeah. I would never do hang gliding in real life. Mm. I've always dreamt no. of it. Never done it before, though. No, I do want to go in a helicopter someday. Mm. Uh, but as we said earlier, uh, in a peculiar turn of events. Um, so this let, let's imagine you're at the end of the uh, the regular the first kind of half of the game or the the, the normal difficulty uh, you've completed your thing and you get your thing and you get some nice awards and everyone says well done and then suddenly this the kind of the screen kind of goes red <laughs> and there's a picture mm. of a helicopter and there's big al i think is it at this point saying yeah i think it's been uh, now, yeah saying um the instructors were all on their way to this nice island and as we said they they happened to fly into the airspace of the evil syndicate which uh, <laughs> was careless um and then he says do you want to go and rescue them yes or no and this amused me because you can say no repeatedly uh, <laughs> and he keeps coming up with reasons why you have to do it yeah <laughs> um he says, he call you a chicken at one point. He eventually he calls you a chicken. But he yeah. Says, yeah. Uh, and he, he also says, says like, he's only, uh, he might be a flight instructor, but he's only licensed to ride a motorcycle. That's exactly. It, yeah. What the heck? <laughs> yeah. So you're not. a hypocrite. So you're not <laughs> yeah. flying this um, sort of, uh, I mean, this is pre Desert Strike, this game, but it, it was, you know, Thunderblade already existed. There were lots of other uh, helicopter yeah, shooters kind of like around. Apache style. Yeah. Apache style. Um, but you've actually got a weapon here. You've got uh, the shoulder buttons fire. Uh, one of your unlimited missiles is fairly straightforward. Uh, and it's weird because I, I also think it's weird because all you have to do is get to a landing pad and not crash. It's a uh, bit like Choplifter. Yes. Hmm. But in Choplifter, which I love, by the way, uh, hmm. you have to get the people back here. Yeah. You just land and that's it. I was, that's I was, it. That's yeah. weird. I was expecting to have to get. Doesn't them matter back if out. you leave still a lot of turrets uh, intact, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so yes, there's all these turrets shooting at you. Um, a lot of the the skill of this level is judging the anti-aircraft fire as it comes up from the ground, but it's one hit kill and it's pretty tough. And there are some gun emplacements which are the idea is that they're in uh, in cover in 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 foliage in under under the canopy, and um, yeah. it's uncommonly. Um, brutal compared to mm. I mean I know we've said that you can crash out in the rest of the game but it's a real sort of sudden left turn and it feel, yeah. it, everything feels different um, it's satisfying to do it but weird do you uh, think they felt like they had to include a combat kind of mission I was going to suggest that very thing is, yeah. that, is that is that your thinking that's but what I was thinking was at, at the time like oh yeah <laughs> of course it has to have some shooting in there you know yeah 
Yeah. But yeah. the problem is, is that you had no training for it. They trained you for everything else apart from flying a helicopter with guns. <laughs> yeah. Like it just it doesn't make any sense. It does. The image that the image they use in the background of like the mission briefing is just like it's so desert strikey, jungle strikey, yeah. serious. Some militaristic like, even, Operation yeah. Wolf. That's right, man. It, it just feels yeah. even for this game's like juxtaposed nature, it does feel like a bit too much of a lean into the into the serious. And you're like, mm. it's oh weird. god, here we go. And this is the point where my brother calls me in, like, oh come on, it's time to do the helicopter bit. Oh, I'm not good at this bit. You better do it. And in the end, so I've had a lot of experience of this as a kid, and um, yeah, I just uh, I can never ever work out the pattern for the the turrets, either the, the visible or invisible ones. I can never yeah. work out the, just the how, how they worked. The real trick is uh, that you, it's a bit of a trial and error where you have to know where you're flying to the landing area. And once you do know what direction to fly in, stay, stay low, uh, as low as you can. Because the higher you yeah. fly, the more turrets there will be on screen at the same time. Yeah. And the harder it is to move out of the way of projectiles as well. Yeah, but of course, if you bring a turret on screen uh, and you don't hit it, it's got a very you've got no chance of dodging at all because it can yeah. just shoot you instantly almost from from the ground up but yeah the merciful uh, thing is that there's a sound cue when your crosshair um flies over a, a turret so if you yeah. time it right you can immediately hit it because by n you should never hang still in the air and try to shoot the shoot any yeah. turrets yeah i experimented a bit with the concept that if i just kept moving at kind of full speed and kept turning that nothing would ever hit me which almost works <laughs> yeah uh, but it also means that it's not very easy to take out all the turrets that you need to uh, obviously there's a load surrounding the the landing pad I've, I've a lot of unanswered questions though about how <laughs> when you actually land the helicopter there the instructors who have been kidnapped are able to just immediately run out and get in the helicopter like that uh, the, the whole the whole thing is really fishy i mean it's maybe it's the, well the whole the whole mission is a ruse to to uh recruit you maybe the whole flight club is a is a, is a ruse to recruit uh, new people for the evil syndicate maybe they're all it's part of it probably you know? i think you've nailed it i think it is some kind of uh indoctrination cult into yeah. probably <laughs> some um white supremacist uh, uh paramilitary guerrilla there you group. go yeah, yeah. politics we've, in our games. We did it. Again. We, we've we've done it again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, when you're not rescuing people or being uh, <laughs> being indoctrinated, subscribed into a into a paramilitary Nazi organization, you can high dive into a pool while dressed as a penguin. Yeah, <laughs> it's the best. Yeah, it's it's the best. It and there's is. a Birdman in this as well. Yeah. Uh, Birdman. There's two Birdman games, so Birdman probably became more famous in the, in the sequel. But but here uh, you've either got a, a simple flap as far as you can, or about. It's, yeah, it's kind of it's like um, there was an old eight game. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah it was a game called or like, the, like the like the Jumble Boots in Pilot Wing sixty four. Oh, Jumble oh. Hoppers. Yes. Yeah, the yes. Jumble Hoppers. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Jumble Hoppers plus Birdman. Why didn't they do that? Oh, and both. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd really like, uh, if Pilot Wings ever was to come back, and it's, I'd really want it to lean into the wackiness. Like talking about it now, I just had a, I, I've just been daydreaming about another Pilot Wings that you know isn't the three DS yeah. game, and it's like, or maybe not like, a Pilot Wings game, but a, a, a Birdman game. Well, like like uh, Toy Commander, but Pilot Wings, and it's all set in a bedroom, and it's just ah, uh, and then you have got yeah. penguins diving into baths and stuff. Ah oh, man, I just 
Yeah. Yeah. I want it. I want it. We'll talk more about this in, in the next show, about what they could do and uh, what we'd like to see if they ever resurrect the franchise because I've got I've got a few ideas as well. Yeah. Um, we should we it. should uh, go and playwright and uh and pitch yeah. some ideas. Just yeah, just and yeah, we've got a, basically we've got a, a headline to um a, a a hotline I should say to Doug Bowser uh, in Ryan so we can just yeah. say you know cuz <laughs> cuz all 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 our ideas go straight to Nintendo HQ of course. Yeah. Ryan, uh, get your man Bowser on the phone. So, yeah, you go around again, only harder. We've already kind of alluded to this. Uh, I also wanted to mention, um, I thought it was very harsh, uh, the the snowy runway, as, as much as I like that section. I didn't realise that uh, hitting the snow, I thought it would make you skid or something. No, it just blows you up. <laughs> you just go, <laughs> just like, you just like go trundle into it and then boom, that's it. Yeah. Um, there's a lot there's a lot more wind in in the second run which really does mm. as you'd expect in a in a game about uh, aeronautics and um aviation and kind of ballistics uh this game does share things we we obviously we talked about ballistics games in uh, in our worms podcast and one of our three word reviews alludes to lunar lander obviously this is this does have its roots in gravity and physics based games that of the of you know, from the past, even from from this era, did did you spot any of that at the time, Mikhail? Do you remember thinking, you know, this the, all this inertia and um, judging these, you know, g- gravitational forces and that was um, again, I, I guess, as much as the kind of the three D graphics and the slightly peculiar scenario, that stuff was is not something you see in uh, kind of everyday, um, you know, mainstream console video games. No, but it was not entirely unheard of either. You mentioned certain sport events titles. Uh, on the NES, we also had uh, Konami's Track and Field 2. Yes, which you had, uh, yeah. yeah, the Javelin and the uh, Archery, which also you had to account for oh, the wind yeah. and everything. So, mm. yeah, no, it was it was uh, it felt pretty organic and natural to, to do this kind of thing, do mm. this kind of stuff. Yeah. Alex79UK from the forum says... I love flying games. GTA, Just Cause, all the rest is always my favourite way to get around and I'm pretty good at it. I can land a plane on the roads of San Andreas and take back off without a scratch. I think that a lot of this love for flying in games goes directly back to Pilot Wings. It's a fantastic game and I've played it many times over the years. I never really enjoyed the parachuting but the other events just had me grinning from start to finish. There is one blight on the game. And that is the bizarrely out-of-place attack helicopter level. Just miserable, difficult annoyances that get in the way of the main game. I could sit and play through Pilot Wings right now if I had time. Just a brilliant game that I don't think was bettered in any of its sequels. Hmm. Uh, you could play it, right? You only need an hour, really, <laughs> to play it. Mm-hmm. Maybe, it's, it's... maybe 40 minutes for round two. He talks about other games then that's got flying in. And I do think Pilot Wings has got a, a lot to do with me. Because I, I do enjoy flying in, in games. You know, when you get the opportunity to jump in a plane, of course you're going to grab it. Uh, recently playing Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts for the show. And uh-huh. that reminded me of Pilot Wings quite a bit, actually. Because right. there's quite a few challenges where you fly through, you know, rings of some orbs and uh, other various shooting challenges. And a lot of physics in that game, right? Uh, yeah, a lot of it's, it's all physics. And it's yeah. all based on your own creation. So in yes, my yes. case... It is the worst <gasps> planes possible that just fumble their way through to the end. Um, so I've just had some more amazing ideas for pilot wings well, 
four. But there we go. Yeah, mm. pilot wings, nuts and bolts. Yeah, man. Uh, so if people are looking, it's more of a, a a summary thing. But if people are looking for a pilot wings, you know, thick kind of thing, there's a very mm. small element of that in Banjo Kazooie nuts and bolts mm. on the on the air challenges. Interesting. Yes, there's also been a recent release. I was going to save this. I'll mention it again in the in the next show. Uh, the because I, I haven't wasn't going to mention it in this show. I've forgotten the name of it. But there there is a recent game that's come out. Ultra Wings. Ultra Wings. Thank you, Darren. Which has had moderately decent reviews and looks well, to apparently it's it's better in VR. Uh, because you know it, it kind of looks like it's for. made for it, mm. yeah. And you know you can take like like the sixty four game. You take pictures using your phone instead of a camera. Ah, know. right. Yeah, mm. it's got elements of Pilot Wings games, and, you know, in even literal references like that in it. It looks kind of basic, but you know, kind of like um, dangerous driving at the moment. Like, even like a, mm. a budget version of what you love from the past is um, sometimes more than enough. Yeah, well said few nuggets of trivia about Pilot Wings. Uh, it featured in the Game On historical exhibition organised by the Barbican Centre, including a display at the Science Museum in London in 2007. I was there. And I think that exhibition's been on again since. I don't know if Pilot Wings is still part of the lineup, but hopefully it is. I would hope uh, it's at the National Video Games Museum as well, which is now in Sheffield having moved from Nottingham, but I, I don't know for sure. Pilot Wings is also in the book, 1001 Video Games You Must Play Before You Die, by Tony Mott, uh, which is there you go. a book I have. So there you go, you got to play it. Uh, and this one I like. So Pilot Wings, I've, I've never really watched this game. There were games based around, uh, watched this program, I should say. There were games based around this program, but in Japan... It's really good, the program. Yeah, Pilot Wings has been featured on the Japanese television show Game Center CX on three separate occasions. It was originally chosen as the challenge game for Season 9, Episode 9, which was in February 2010. But host Shinya Arino was unable to complete the game. Arino challenged the game a second time for a special live broadcast celebrating his 40th birthday, which aired from 8 on I don't know why there's a lot of detail which aired on February 24th 2012 um, until oh no that, that is worth saying it started at 8pm and went on until 6am the following day um, after 10 hours he finally wow. ran out of time unable to complete the final stage and had to give up again this was the first time he'd failed to complete a game during a live broadcast so this is a good sense of how hard that final helicopter level is and why <laughs> I abused save states. Not wanting to disappoint his fans, Arano challenged the game for a third time at a live event in Iwate Prefecture before a live audience of hundreds of fans. With help from the ADs and several fans, he managed to clear the final stage just as the two-hour event was coming to an end. This event was the focus of Season 16, Episode 7, in July 2012. Thanks to Moby Games for that. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, man, that, that totally there, sounds great. There, there you go. This Pilot Wings should have some uh, accessibility features. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Game Center CX. Check it out. Read up about it if you if you don't know it. There was a there was a DS. There were two DS games, I think, which was based around the concept of Game Center CX. Oh, yeah. Where yeah, they were. Yeah, uh, yeah I like think a, they were localized as Retro Game Challenge. That's right. Yeah. 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 Curious, curious things. Be interesting to do. Um, yeah. To look at look more at that at some point. Uh, just the three one-word reviews, despite us putting two shout-outs. Why does nobody remember or care about Pilot Wings? 
I don't know. Darren? Was that a question for me or do you want me to read the... <laughs> that's all well, that can be a question for you as well save that for your summary just just yeah. read the review for now our first free word review comes from andrew elmore he says lunar lander expanded one credit classics ben says fundamentally unsafe school and simon sloth says ultimate palate cleanser thank you uh so darren why does nobody remember or care about pilot wings Wow, what a great and original question. Thanks, Leon, for the <laughs> brilliant lead into the my summary. I don't know, man. Like Pilot Wings is a strange one. I mean, they did have a three DS game quite relatively recently. Yes. And it, it's quite bland. I played it and reviewed it for the newspaper that I used to write for until the very end and they give you a squirrel suit and it's actually pretty decent. Ooh. Um I think they were leaning on the um the three D nest to help sell the game. Uh, but I found it just kind of just made everything just double in my experience I was like oh that's not very good 3d so i turned it off um but but why doesn't anyone remember pilot wings um it's hard to say i mean maybe the lack of characters from the first game didn't resonate or you know even like the second game uh, 64 game you know what i mean i just don't think there's any kind of identifiable thing to latch on with and that's why people only like maybe like the most iconic thing from pilot wings is the red plane which is what smash brothers uses as it's kind of giant right. thing to look forward to and the mode 7 you know la um, landing strip and uh, area so but for, for me pilot wings um the snes version is still an incredible experience uh quite, kind of like unlike any other game do you know what i mean I, i've never really played anything like it Especially on a 16-bit machine. You know, I've played games since then that involve various flying machines. But Pilot Wings on the Snares has just got its own vibe. It's got its own cool, jazzy, funky vibe that's kind of, it will kick you when you're down. But also, you know, you, you do feel empowered to try again and again and overcome the challenges. You know, it's not very long, so you do feel like you, you are more willing to give it a second or third or a hundredth shot because, again, the game isn't that long. Um... And you know, you, like, like you say, less is more. And it, you, you, there is one excellent kind of round the houses uh, light plane uh, area, and that's all you need because that resonates with you more because you've tried and tried and tried again to perfect it. Um, yeah, uh, but, but pilot wings on the SNES is like I say, um, it didn't impress me back then as a kid in terms of technological uh, technological advancements. But looking at it now, it's just a miracle that they managed to get all these. Well, it's just 2D sprites skewed and positioned in place, much like Super Mario Kart, to make yeah. it make you believe that it's a 3D world. Like, I just don't know how they did it, man. Like, Mode Seven is a thing that we all like champion, but I can't believe it's not heralded in some sort of like science museum as like the best thing ever at the time. It's just a work of art, and I can't believe that it's not a um, it's not a more it's not, it's not a meme. Do you know what I mean? I, was, I, was, I, want, I want Mode Seven to be a meme or some sort of. <laughs> Right. high praise from from the internet because no one it, it is referenced in some corners of the um of mm -hmm. the gaming sphere but look, i think i guess it's something that's being lost to time a bit with with people you know with younger people in, in, you know not being as aware of it as as those of oh, us right. of, a, of a certain age i just want like what, like indie games to do like mode 7 s stuff i'm sure there are some out there yeah, but you never right. really hear that many indie games going, yeah, we're going for the Mode 7 vibe because <laughs> it's probably just easier to make a 3D game now rather than it is to make a, a yeah, game you're probably right. Yeah. skewed yeah. and positioned to ma uh, magically, you know, illusion, make an illusion. For I bet you could fake a, a Mode 7 looking game in a 3D engine though. 
Oh man, I, I just now I want it to, if you're gonna do it, do it like um like they did recently with Iron Maiden and go back to the original engine and go for it like with build. That's what they did, didn't they, with that Iron Maiden game? They actually made mm. the game from scratch and using mm. the Duke 3D right. engine. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, if yeah, I'd probably. <laughs> I just think everyone's doing all the pixel art stuff, but like, if, if there's any indie games out there that are doing the Mode Seven stuff, let me know. And um, but Pilot Wings really like hammered it home for me. Like when you're so high up in the air. You think this isn't actually happening? Like this isn't an actual. <laughs> but I'm not actually up in the air. But the way they've made it work in front of you is just on a snares as well, man. Like, I can't. It really does. Yeah, Pilot Wings is impressive, and it's it's fun to play. So I recommend it. Yeah, so it's worth saying at this point again that actually there's not there's a limited number of ways you can play this. Obviously, you can play it on a PC under pure emulation, and if you've got a SNES Mini, you can add the the ROM to it. But actually, if, in terms of buying it legit. Uh, there's only, I guess there's two ways you can do that right now, which is the Wii U Virtual Console and the Nintendo new 3DS Virtual Console because the Wii shop is shut mm. and obviously you can't buy a, I mean, you can buy probably buy a new sealed uh, cartridge <laughs> on eBay for a crazy amount of money. But um, yeah, those are your legal options. Um, yeah, and there's probably also, yeah, there's probably a, a, a soapboxy rant to be had about the way that Joe Gamer often seems to complain about how safe and um, predictable games are, uh, how developers and publishers rely on the same old genres and make the same old game over and over again. Joe Gamer's the kind of person who would not buy Pilot Wings, though, because it looked too weird and different, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, yeah. actually... yeah these these things these were things like this experiments curios uh and don't get me wrong i think now 2019 is an amazing time to be a gamer there's all kinds of crazy stuff but in terms of a a big box full price release you just wouldn't get something like this now i don't think and that's a shame i think um freewheeling blue sky thinking experiments like this from nintendo that they were happy to put out as in a you know, in a box on the shelves as make it a, you know, a launch title. Obviously there was a reason for it that this was a kind of a, a, a showpiece for their new console, just as Pilot Wing 64 was for that machine. And maybe that's why we haven't had another game because there was, they didn't feel they could use the kind of the power of the machine to, or use a, a Pilot Wings game to show off the power of a machine or the, or the, the USPs of a machine in the same way. My, uh, love in this series is the one we're going to cover cover later this year pilot wing 64 it's the one i played more of and it's the one i played uh first properly but yeah there's still so much to like about this this is such a, a breath of fresh air as uh as simon said uh a a palate cleanser um a lemon sorbet uh and yes it's a bit of an odd one it might take some real acclimatizing to the way it looks and feels controlling a flight game with a d-pad having very little visual information at times to work out what the heck's going on. Uh, but if you spend a bit of time with it, and you don't really need to spend that much time, you can complete the first kind of run through in about half an hour. Uh, I think you might be charmed by it. And uh, as such, hmm. I'd say it's worth checking out if you can. I just quickly want to just interject. Um, the Please. Labo VR has a thing called a wind pedal and a bird kit. 
I'm wondering ah. if those kind of things may play into <laughs> something along the lines. I don't know what the wind pedal looks like, but it sounds like something you'd find in the pilot wings game. And it is like a cardboard wind pedal that you, um, well, oh. a pedal that you press with your foot and uh, presumably fly around some stuff. And the other one is a, literally a bird that you plonk on your face and uh, <laughs> again fly around. So who knows? The Labo VR may introduce pilot wings okay. in a different way. Is that out before we record our pilot wing 64 show? Yeah, it's out on Friday. Uh, Great. So with 12th of April. Okay, we'll talk about that then, then, along with yes. the 3DS game and the abandoned Factor 5 uh, prototype, which, so of oh, course, yeah, there the way, was yeah. going to be a GameCube Pilot Wings. Didn't happen. Mm. We'll come back to all that. But for now, Mikhail. Yeah, I've got a lot of love for the original Pilot Wings. Uh, a lot of nostalgia. Had so much fun with it. And when you look at the game in uh, isolation, uh, divorced from its uh, sequels um it's a game you feel like almost uh, uh that, that rare could have made in their 8-bit days you know just completely quirky uh technically brilliant on the hardware that it was released on and ultimately incredibly solid to play um and on that technical speaking on the technical side of things of course it's not you know, it, it's not going to impress you in the same way that modern games do. But like Darren has said also, it is kind of amazing still when you return to it, just how much the, uh, you know, Miyamoto and the team were able to convey the illusion of flight with these 2D graphics um, and, and the accompanying sounds. And, where, you know, that that's already very impressive and charming in itself but when all is said and done this game is still very playable i feel and can be a lot of fun if you like to play games that are all about all about mastery like we talked about before like you know just focusing on three courses in a game like daytona or uh, or uh sega rally championship um yeah, the content the content isn't uh, very extensive, but what whatever is there, there's still so much fun to be had just to you know to to finesse your skills and to get better scores and to just sort of nail uh, the uh, the events. So yeah, I think uh, you know Simon Sloth uh, played played it uh, recently for the first time, yeah, and he had a had a good time with it. So I invite anyone else to try it as well. Fisness your skills. <laughs> it remains for me, Leon, to thank Darren and Mikhail, as well as our correspondents, Editor Jay, and, of course, you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast and all the other podcasts and other content that we make, please do remember to subscribe wherever you get your audio podcasts from. Rate, review, if you can. Hearts, likes, thumbs ups, actual words, stars, or best of all, support us. For real, patreon.com slash rinse. Get every one of these shows a week early, often extended. Probably not in this case. Uh, and your format specials three months early and your exclusive monthly show as well. And we thank you very much for doing that. Next time, in issue 365, join Zidane, Garnet and the gang in Final Fantasy IX.